not a shout of joy, not a shout of satisfaction. Somebody rear back, open your mouth, and declare, I triumph in this place. Come on, declare your victory in this house. Hey! I just need a couple of hundred victorious people uh, to clap your hands uh, like chains are breaking. Uh, Make some noise like walls are falling. Make some noise like the earth is shaking. Hallelujah, glory. Glory. The narrative goes that years ago they were filming a documentary. And in the documentary, the ending scene had to be a chariot race. And the person who was acting in the documentary as the one riding the chariot, he he had to practice for many months in preparation to shoot the scene. He had he didn't even know how to ride a horse, much less drive a chariot. And finally, the director said, are you ready for the scene? And he said, I've been working really hard, and, and I think I got it down. I can, I can steer the horses, and I can, I can navigate the chariot. And um, he said, I, I think I'm even good enough uh, that, that I can race on, on, the, on the thing. And uh, he said, but I've got one concern. Although I think I can run the race, he said, I don't think I'm good enough to win it. And the director said, I'm the director. You just run the race, and I'll make sure that you come out the winner. I feel like telling somebody in the building, all God needs you to do is stay in the race. Keep on praying. Keep staying faithful. Keep on walking forward. No matter what the weapon is, I wish somebody would throw your head back and declare no weapon. I said no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. Go ahead, Sister Ramirez. Get your victory this morning. Somebody ought to go ahead and praise him like you already won. Somebody ought to take a minute and praise him like you already got the victory. You ought to praise him like the door's already open. You ought to praise him like the chains are already loose. Go ahead, praise him. God, I'll praise you now. You can do it later. I'll praise you now. Yay! What? Come on, somebody give him a shout of praise in this house. Tell about six people on the way to your seat. Tell them I'm I'm victorious. Now use some Bible language. Tell them I'm more than an overcomer. Come on, look at somebody, tell them I'm more uh, than an overcomer.
You've heard me say this before, but when you look in the scripture that talks about being more than overcomers, it comes from the term Hooper Nikeo. Hooper, where we derive our English prefix hyper. Not hyper like your kid who's eating too much sugar. But hyper as in beyond. And the word Nikeo <laughs> means victory. Incidentally, it's where the company, the shoe company, Nike, got the name from, Nike Nikeo. Because they wanted people to know when you say our brand, you're saying victory. And the writer said, you uh, are Hooper uh, Nikeo. Uh, you're more uh, than victorious. Uh, I wish somebody would just shout, uh, my name uh, is victory. Uh, my name uh, is victory. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise this morning. Woo. You can be seated. Welcome to Sunday morning at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Anybody thankful to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. We continue to pray for those who have not yet made it back into the house of the Lord. We know that God is working all things together for our good. How many of you believe that this morning? Would you help me put your hands together and give a big warm round of applause for all of our guests that are in the building with us today? Come on, we could do just a little bit better than that. Let's let them know how excited we are to have them in the house of the... Now help me make welcome everybody streaming in online this morning. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We are so grateful to have you in the house of the Lord with us. If this is your first time at the Rock Church, you're a first-time guest, you should have received a small VIP invitation when you walked in the door. As a matter of fact, if you're here for the first time, and uh, you did not receive one of those, would you just raise your hand and we'll make sure to get one. I see one hand right over here that didn't get one of the invitations. We want you to join us immediately after the service. If you have one of those VIP cards, when we dismiss the service, if you'll go out into the lobby, you're going to notice a red carpet. When you get to that red carpet, there'll be somebody there to escort you into our VIP room and we've prepared just a few small refreshments and a small gift that we want to give you as a token uh, of our appreciation and honor of you joining us this morning in worship and uh, we have a little saying around here that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door after that you're just part of the family amen would you help me turn around tell three or four people sitting around you just tell them welcome home this morning Come on, tell somebody. They're on your right, they're on your left, front of you, behind you. Just tell them, welcome home this morning. Welcome home. So good to have you in the house of the Lord. And uh, it is so good. We've got a few young ladies here all the way from Durham, North Carolina this morning visiting us from First Pentecostal Church. And we are so honored to have you in the Sunshine State. Amen. And uh, they're doing a little vacationing. And uh, they're doing what all good apostolics do even on vacation. They take a couple of hours out and they get to the house of the Lord. Amen, somebody. And we're honored to have them in the house of the Lord today. 
God is doing some amazing things in this house. And uh, I want to remind you, Impact Youth Conference is not very far away. And we are preparing for an amazing, amazing time. Amen. We have been fielding phone calls and text messages and emails from all over the country. Uh, entire churches bringing all of their youth uh, from across the country. I got a message. There was 35, 40 people and counting on their way from one church in Colorado. Another, amen. Another church in Alabama has a whole group that's on their way. People from California all the way up north. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be amazing. Thursday night, Pastor Joel Buxton will be ministering. Amen. Friday night, Brother Cody Marks will be preaching. Yes. And then Saturday, Brother Cornelius Williams will be ministering. And it's simply going to be amazing. If you have people you know that are interested from out of town, you can direct them right to our website. We have a uh, Impact Youth Conference page that has all of the hotel information there as well as a link and a phone number. They can use either one uh, to take advantage of special room rates. We've got rooms blocked for just $80 a night, which is uh, very, very inexpensive. And uh, we'll, you'll want to get that information to them as quick as possible. Somebody say next Sunday. Next Sunday is fifth Sunday, which makes it Friends and Family Day. Oh, yeah. This is going to be amazing. What a great opportunity to gather anybody you've been talking to over the past few months. And uh, maybe you've been inviting them to church. Tell them we have a special service next week tailored just for all of our friends and family. Tell them you want them to be your special guest. Tell them you don't want to show up without anybody. Would they help you not come to church alone, please? And uh, pick them up. And uh, we're, we're expecting God to do some great things. Amen. Last Sunday, we baptized Noel in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. Came out of the water, received the Holy Ghost. Tuesday before service, we baptized John in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. Friday afternoon, we baptized Jessica in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. Friday afternoon, we baptized Brandon in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. And then yesterday evening, we baptized Zariah in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. This has been a great week. God is doing some amazing things. We're so excited for what the Lord is doing. A few weeks ago, we had the privilege of uh, having a guest speaker in our leadership meeting. And uh, it was absolutely powerful, God-ordained. And uh, what a tremendous impartation there was from the word of the Lord and the spirit of this great man. Pastor Marty Varnell is with us all the way from Richmond, Virginia today. And uh, I have known of Brother Varnell for many, many, many years. As a matter of fact, he has a long history with my pastor, Bishop Elder, and my pastor's father, uh, Elder Elder. We called him Pop Elder. 
and uh, he spent a lot of time with them, and so a very uh, powerful mutual connection with my bishop, my pastor, and I've known of him for many years, and last year I had, uh, actually over the years I've made his acquaintance several times at conferences and various meetings, but this past fall I had the opportunity to spend a couple of days with him, and uh, as I got to be around him a little bit, just felt a powerful kindred spirit with him, and we began dialogue concerning uh, the potential of him coming to minister to us here in Fort Myers. We were in deep discussions about it when uh, C-19 uh, disrupted everybody's schedule, and so we postponed things for just a little bit. But this week, he called me and uh, just things that he had going on, he was going to be flying into the area this weekend, and he wanted to just come in and maybe have church with us. And I said, you ain't coming here and not getting behind the pulpit. So we're excited. I believe that God orchestrates things in a unique way, and this man pastors a powerful revival church in Richmond, Virginia. They are busting out of the seams in their building. I believe they are in the preliminary stages of working out a brand new building. Uh, but this is a great man of God. God is using him powerfully, not only across this country, but across the globe. And we are delighted to have him in the house of the Lord with us this morning. Would you stand to your feet all over this sanctuary? And I wonder if one more time you could put your hands together and give God your best praise as we prepare our hearts and our minds for what the Word of the Lord wants to do today. Come on. While you're clapping your hands, would you open up your mouth and give God the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips in this sanctuary as Pastor Varnell comes to deliver the Word of the Lord to him. Well, let's clap our hands heartily unto the Lord. Come on, clap your hands like you mean it. I told your pastor's wife, don't leave me, brother. Oh, he's taking over? We doing the Chinese fire drill here? Uh, I felt right at home this morning. We have, we have a, a lot of island people in our church. And uh, we call them victory marches. They call them a conga line, I think. They, they, but uh, it felt good in here. And uh, y'all had an old man wanting to go low this morning. Y'all even know what that means around here? Uh, yeah, it's I, low is a relative term at my age. It's just lower than I am right now. So uh, they get to doing that at home, and uh, I have seen I have seen God do great things. When we begin to humble ourselves in worship, 
Because nothing, nothing, nothing moves him like flesh disciplining itself to give him glory. Well, Brother Varnell, it's just the way we have church. No, it's not. It's the Bible way. <laughs> and there's schools, you know. There's schools. I noticed they changed out the keyboard player. Probably so in case I drag something out that ain't even in the songbook, she'll know it. I'm starting to get that a lot. Everywhere I go, they'll get some brother or sister out of the audience that's, you know, not the youngsters and slide them in on me. They, you start singing stuff they never heard of. Father. I ain't even going to do that because I'd have messed us up. Y'all know that old congregational song, Father, I Stretch? I can't do that. We'll be here all day. It's good to be with you. It's good to feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. It's good to see some folks from North Carolina. I talked to your bishop. Go there after his surgery yesterday. And he's quite funny on pain medication. Love him dearly. Sister Lisa and Brother Robbie Mitchell. Brother Robbie and I have been friends since we was in Short Bridges. And uh, so it's good to see y'all. And uh, give my regards to Pastor Urshan. I only live about an hour and a half from church to church. We live up in the saved part in Virginia, and they down in North Carolina. We're still praying for them. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Now, in case you wonder what I'm doing, I'm just getting comfortable. Right, anybody ever go out of town and sleep in somebody else's bed? The lump's all in the wrong spot. You got to waller around a minute, you know. Do you get comfortable? That's what I'm doing. I'm wallering around. Amen. I want to direct your attention to the book of Proverbs this morning, chapter 18. We have sang about our dance saying something. We've sang about our praise saying something. Now I want to preach about your mouth saying something. I'm going to need that towel over here because I'm already hot. Thank you. I take back everything I said about you. I've enjoyed hearing your pastor sing at conferences. And uh, I used to sing. And then they asked me to quit. But every now and then at home, I'll get up and just start singing 
And them, these, new these new musicians we got, they just got a look of panic on their face because they never heard it. But I got four or five sisters in the church that'll come staggering up on the platform and catch up with me. See, when I grew up, we had testimony service. Am I the only one who had testimony service? We had testimony service. And what testimony service was, was the people that didn't sing up here got to start singing out there. That's what it was. Uh, they would stand up, and these songs were not songs. They just made them up. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. And the musicians back then, you had to know your stuff. Because some of these people sing in the cracks. They sing between the keys in them cracks. See something or other. And they would just, I remember, as long as I, do, 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 there they are, and they'd take off. It started up to, there they are. And, yeah, that right there. But I am so grateful today that in Fort Myers, Florida, there is a church that has all of that in the gumbo. And I feel it in my spirit today. It's good to go places where you feel at home with the worship. Uh, we, we work on manana time at our church. We have several congregations that come at different times. We have, you know, your middle European folk that show up 10 minutes early, you know, from the published time. And then we start singing and we sing three songs and then we have some of our Hispanic brothers and sisters that show up. And then, y'all know where I'm going with this, and then, and then the people from the dark continent come straggling in about 45 minutes later. About an hour and 10 minutes in, we got everybody together. And I've threatened them. I've threatened them. I've, I've hollered at them. I've talked mean to them. And they, they love me and just keep coming at the same time. So finally, I just said, well, we're going to have church. Y'all get here. Now, I tell you what I like. They ain't ready to go home in a hurry, no. They may get there a few minutes late, but they'll stay long as you want to. I see y'all smiling because you know y'all guilty. Amen. Proverbs 18, verse 20. I give great honor to your pastor and his lovely wife and family today. Amen. Let me tell you something. You'll never, ever, ever go wrong honoring the man of God. You do realize it's his job to be abrasive sometimes. Well, all right. Proverbs 18, 20. Let me read this and preach before I get in trouble here. Um, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. My belly been really satisfied a lot. Notice the next line, though. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. We always read this next verse. We quote it all the time, but we don't ever read the verse prior. With the increase of his lips shall he be filled. One translation says with the increase of his lips 
will he sustain himself? Another translation says, with the control of his tongue, he will bring increase for life. Then he says, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit I want to talk to you for a little while from this subject, the disconnect that destroys. The disconnect that destroys. Turn and shake your neighbor's hand and tell them that's the best looking preacher I've ever seen. We're going to have an altar service. Got some repenting to do after that one. Well, I'm the best looking one in this room probably today. Y'all come on and smile. Show me your teeth. Even if you paid for them, I want to see them. Let me see them teeth. Amen. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That word joy is aziz, A-Z-I-Z. It don't mean happy, content, at peace, thrilled about life. It means to leap and to flail the arms wildly while screaming at the top of your lung. What it's talking about is getting your praise on. Don't mess with me today because I feel like preaching. Are we going to get messed up here? The disconnect that destroys. Y'all don't get far because I'm not going to go far. Famous last words an hour and a half later. My wife's not here. The timekeeper's not here. I see. It's real subtle, but it's scary if you live with me. She little, but don't, don't trifle with her. Amen. The disconnect that destroys. You see, I think that uh, most of us would agree that both the sacred and the secular history gives witness to the singular power of something called words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words shall never hurt me. That's the biggest lie ever codified. Words. Words are powerful things. So, so much so that God took substantial space in the scripture to warn men of our responsibility of using our words to protect the wives of the congregation. In fact, God included our usage of words in his reasonable service requirements for men to be holy. Oh boy, here we go. We talk about holiness and we run our mouths like heathens. 
Nobody in this room likes to cut up and have fun more than me. I don't need you to be negative and never smile and never laugh. That's not what I'm talking about. I appreciate a good joke. I just like for them to be clean. Humor's not a sin. But we've got to learn how to use this weapon we call our mouth. I have a gun beside my bed. You say, you don't trust the Lord? Yes, I just don't trust the people. Well. But I can use that gun to destroy or to protect. Fiends are rarely the problem. Choices are always the problem. You see, words matter. Look at your neighbor and say, words matter. Are you young men married, unmarried? Y'all all, you married? Well, you know, you two are married. You two are still got some money. You two have money. You two know. Honey, does this dress make me look fat? There is no right answer. That's why God made fishing poles and golf clubs. But it's not, oh, help us, Jesus. You can say no, but if you pause too long, it don't matter what you say after that. Honey, does this make me look, don't ask me that. Don't do that to me. Words matter. The way we say things matter. Now, you, you unmarried men, pay special attention. You married men, I'm reminding you. You can say something that means exactly the same thing, but if you say it wrong, it will cause a problem that did not exist heretofore, but shall exist for the rest of your days. What you say forevermore shall be held against you as long as you live. And even after you're gone. You can tell your wife, oh, Jesus. My wife does this to me. Where do you want to eat? Uh, well, I don't know. Well, I'm tired of picking. That's what she says. I'm tired of picking where we eat. But when I start suggesting places, y'all know y'all guilty. Well, let's go to let's go here. I don't want that. You just said you don't care where we eat. Well, I don't want that one though. I can go through twenty-four, and in the end, she says, "You always make me pick." There is a reason why I'm making you sick. Put your neck in here, sweetheart. But you have to learn. Watch me. Men and women communicate different. We can go into a men's meeting. Hey, stupid. Hey, man. Nobody's offended. Hey, ignorant. Hey. 
Wow, that's ugly. Okay. Nobody cares. We're guys. We don't care. If you can't eat it or smell, don't smell bad, we don't even notice it. We're guys. We don't care. Our feelings are not tied to when somebody greets us. But we marry women. And they care. Trust me, they care. <laughs> oh, Lord. And so you have to learn how to communicate. Why do you have to learn to communicate? Well, divorce is not right, so that's not an option. So I'm stuck here. I've got to figure this out. And so you got to learn how to say things. Why? Because you have to, you must learn how to communicate to create an environment of success in your home. Pray tell me why we will do that, but we won't devote the time in learning how to control our mouths uh, to bring success to our spiritual man as well. I'm just teaching a little bit here right now. I can say to my wife, I don't care or it doesn't matter. I said the same thing. But to her, she didn't hear the same thing. If I say I don't care, then I don't love her. I don't care if she sleeps outside in the dead of winter and dies from, from, from exposure. That's what she hears. Don't even nod, men. Just look straight ahead with a blank stare, okay? Just trust me. My wife's not here. I can say whatever I want to. I'm in charge when that woman's at Walmart. You hear me? I'm trying to get you to loosen up and think with me just a minute because I'm finna hit you in the head with it. But if I say to her, honey, it really doesn't matter to me. Whatever you want is fine by me. I just What I'm saying to her then is, oh, he doesn't have a preference. What I said the first time, you dingbat. But I have to learn how to communicate. Some of us want to come to church and talk about how awful things are. Ain't nobody ever gave me nothing. I don't know why I got to go through and everybody's against me and I don't know why y'all are getting blessed and I'm not. Ooh, ooh, Mr. Cotta, I got an answer. Because you have divorced your mouth from your understanding. Words matter. The Lord's Prayer, which is our master's model for the most meaningful words that a man ever utters, is only made up of 56 words. 56 words. Words. One of our nation's most memorable orations, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, delivered at the midnight of our national experience, uh, only 266 words, but they're powerful. 
Paul's sermon at Mars Hill where he gave his defense of Christ's gospel to the Stoics and the Epicureans assembled there on that little bump of earth in the shadow of the Acropolis in Athens, Greece. That epic message delivered uh, with only 289 words. God Almighty distilled all the laws of earth and time into what we call the Ten Commandments and he gave them to Moses on the summit of Sinai written on tables of stone and written with the very finger of God himself and all of that took only 297 words. The Declaration of Independence, that declaration that launched this country, uh, that document sets us apart from all the rest of the peoples of the world and nations of the world uh, but it only took three 300 words. You see, whether spoken by God or man, creation or creator, few things in the world have the power of words. The biblical evidence is overwhelming and unimpeachable. The Bible said to us, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Boy, that'll get your attention. What I'm telling you is this. God wants us to learn how to use this weapon to build his kingdom, not to destroy our lives. I'm going to get there. For by our words we are justified, and by our words we are condemned, whether to help or to hinder, to hurt or to heal for good, or for evil, righteousness or wrong, to build up or to tear down. But indisputably, few things are as permanent and as powerful as a word that is spoken out of turn. But not only are words important, but words have the ability to create. But words only create after their kind. Negative words never bring positive results. And positive words never tear down and destroy. Say this with me. What I say defines me. I got some saints in my church, good people, but we call them vacuum cleaner saints. You can have one of them services where heaven comes down, gets a hold of that building and goes... People laid out talking in tongues. People don't even like one another hugging necks. I mean, God does what he does. And you got negative Nancy coming up the aisle with her vacuum cleaner hose ready to suck every bit of victory and joy you got in you in that service out. That's why we put two aisles in that church. Because when Nancy's coming up one, I'm heading down the other. Nobody wants to be my friend. Quit being negative. I don't need you to suck me dry. I got the world to do that. I need you to tell me it's going to be all right. 
I need you to open your mouth, even if you don't believe it, and say, I think everything's going to work out. I think God is going to come through. The fool has said in his heart. When the Bible talks about your heart, it's not talking about your ticker, it's talking about your brain. As a man thinketh in his, not talking about your ticker. The fool, the Bible identifies you as a fool when you begin to speak things questioning the existence of divinity. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool said. You see, he probably didn't say that out loud. Here we go. He probably thunk it. But God, he didn't say it with his mouth. The Bible says he said it in his mind. You see, God knows the very thoughts. Oh, God, help us. And in, oh, Jesus. Now we talk about my intentions. All you fake folk who we shake hands. How you doing? Great. Fantastic. I beat my wife on the way to church, but I'm great. I'm not here to advocate you lying. I'm here to teach you to learn how to tame something uh, to grow something else, that's it. God knows what's in your heart, uh, so you can be fake all you want to, uh, but you ain't fooling God. Uh, he knows if you're a fool or not uh, because of what's going on in your head. So how do I control what's in my head? You control what goes in your eyes and your ears. Pastor, if I get out in the too far, you braille me back. You can fix it when I'm gone. But it matters what you listen to. It matters who you hang around. It matters who you let in your world. It matters what you read. It matters what you see. Well, Pastor, I'm struggling with lust. Stay off the beach. Oh, no. God bless you. You know, they moved that further this year. It's further down there than it used to be. And these britches will only allow me to get about right there. One biscuit away. Just one. Watch y'all clap about my biscuits for him, man. The brilliant businessman of Scripture stands and admires his full fields and decides to tear down his barns and build bigger ones. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with growing your business. There's nothing wrong with sitting down at the end of the day with a warm cup of coffee and a comfortable chair and say, thank you, Jesus. Look what you've given me. There's nothing wrong with that. 
God don't need us to be poor. But he won't allow us to be stupid either. Watch this. He's okay up to that point in the story. But pastor, then he says, take thine ease. Thou hast much goods laid up in store. Nothing wrong with thanking God for the blessing. But you get stupid when you start saying, I'm done. I don't need to strive anymore. I don't need to press for more anymore. I'm not talking about stuff. I'm talking about spiritual things. The Bible says that God looked at him and said, This night thy soul is required of you. And the Bible story labels him as a fool because he passed himself a judgment that he could not sustain. What are you saying? That's how powerful your words are. If you tell your kid he's an idiot and he's nothing and he's no good, you know what you're going to raise? An idiot that makes nothing of himself and turns out no good. But when little Johnny's doing stupid stuff, you don't tell him he's an idiot. You say you're a good boy and good boys don't act like that. It's all about how you do it. I have kids. I have two boys. Oh, Lord, do I have two boys. They drive in big old jacked up trucks. Mud trucks, I call them. I call them useless. Because I can't get in them. And when I get in, I dread getting out. Because I fall and, oh, oh. They don't even care. God's blessed me with my boys. But he also blessed them with a mother who brooks no foolishness. She carried a drumstick to church and she wants a drummer. You girls from North Carolina know what that means. Won't. Won't the drummer. That's what we say a feast. He won't the drummer. Here you say he was, she wasn't the drummer. The feast we say he won't the drummer. And them boys would get out of line, and my wife had a gift. Whap! And she could take that little end of that drumstick and pinch the top of their ear against their skull. And my boys say, it's like getting shot with a 22 rifle. You just drop. <laughs> They're both big, both of them big boys, over six foot tall, pick up a house that had handles on it. Big old strapping boys eat every 20 minutes. Cannot feed them enough. Oh my God, you cannot feed them enough. Cade, my baby boy, 6'1", about that big around, pick up a house. Narrow in the hips, wide in the shoulder, not my jeans. 8'4", homemade hamburgers and a half a rack of ribs. And 25 minutes later, he's rummaging around in the refrigerator. I simply said, what in the world is wrong with you? What do you mean? Why are you in the refrigerator? You just ate enough to kill two grown men. I don't know. I don't know. I'm hungry. You can't be hungry. Get out of the refrigerator. 
Both of them will tell you, don't mess with Ron. Ron will hurt you. But I remember when they were acting up in church and cutting up and all them whippings they got. I remember that. But I remember after they'd fall from the 22 rifle shot, she'd gather them up on her lap and talk to them and say, now, you're good boys. You're apostolic young men. And we don't behave like that. We live in a world that says if you correct your children, you're going to turn them into mass murderers. I got the opposite news for you. If you don't correct your kids, uh, you'll be visiting them through a glass wall. I come to preach to you. Your words matter. Watch me. Not just for you, but you're raising the next generation of apostolics. Come on, church. Uh, let me just cut to the chase here. Uh, don't go home and tell them how horrible it is to have to live a life of holiness. Uh, quit talking like that. What you tell your children is uh, we are a part of the greatest thing uh, that's in existence in this universe today. Uh, we are apostolics. Uh, well, Dad, we can't go to the movies. That's all right. Uh, well, we can't have a TV. That's all right. Uh, we can't do this and we can't do that. Yeah, but we get to go into his presence. Uh, we get to lose ourselves uh, in his presence. Do not talk about how hard holiness is and wonder why your daughters don't want to live right. Pastor can straighten it out when I'm gone. The proudest moment you'll ever have as a parent is when you overhear your child tell somebody else who has their thinking wrong in a kind and a gentle way how truly mixed up and messed up they are and how good living for God is. I sat in a room the other night. My sons are working in Tampa. And uh, I heard my baby boy, who's pretty quiet and laid back, all of a sudden I heard that tone in his voice, and I went, uh-oh, uh-oh. So my ear tuned in, you know, that one right before he hits his brother in the mouth. His name is Grayson Cade. He got the Holy Ghost as a little boy, a little fella, I mean, you know, about seven years old. And uh, so for the next three weeks after that, he'd do something, his mom would say, now, Cade, we're apostolics, and apostolics don't act like that. He had about three weeks of that. And she told him that one day, and he said, well, I might have just got the Holy Ghost too quick. He's also the one when my dad was baptizing him, said, now, Bubba, let Papa explain it to you. When you go to under this water and come up, everything you've ever done, said, thought, every act you've ever committed that's wrong stays in the water. It's as though you've never done it. He looked at him. That little look he gets in his eye when we know something to get broke. And he says, how many times can you do this, Papa? 
I, I might need to get washed again next week because I know me. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Woo. Lord of mercy, he tested his mama and I. But they're working with a young man who's a backslidden apostolic from a home of a father who's a fallen minister. <laughs> and I heard that boy say, I don't even believe in a God. And I heard that tone in Cade's voice. And I stuck my head around the corner behind where Cade was sitting. Neither one of them could see me. But I was listening. And Cade said, and I'm not going to call his name, blank. He said, you grew up the same way I did. He said, and you can deny what you think and don't think all you want to. But the one thing that you can never ever explain away is what you feel when you go into the house of God. I went back in that room, tears started running down my face. Thank you. Somewhere, his mother and I, through that little mischievous mind, kept preaching the truth, kept talking the truth, kept living the truth, and he got it. I, I, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I, I, I was hoping to be closing by now. And I'm on the third page. I got 35. Don't worry. We're not going 35 because I saw the gaslight come on in this vehicle I'm riding in about five minutes ago. The Bible says that we are snared with the words of our mouth. The literal word there translates taken captive, hostage, with our own words. You see, our words can snare us and take us captive. We become prisoners of our own consistent conversation. However, as powerful as our words are for evil, they're also powerful for good. I'm going to just run through a few things here biblically, and then I'm going to get these musicians to get me out of this mess I'm making. The woman with the issue of blood, here it is. We've got to see this. She said, watch me, in her heart. Your words are so powerful, they don't even have to come out of your mouth. You just got to start thinking them right. You got to get your head on straight is what my daddy used to say. She said in her heart, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. The Syrophoenician woman, she said, even the dogs under the table eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Wait a minute. Two chapters earlier, Christ told the disciples, this isn't for the Gentiles. I come for the Jews alone. And all of a sudden, a woman with great faith who understood how to use her mouth. 
grabbed Christ, grabbed him by the lapel, and drug him forward into a new dispensation and said, I got a need on this side of the cross. Well, you know, I, I'm the wrong color, or I, my family's not from, or I don't have. Stop it. There are no victims in the apostolic church, there's only victors. You see, when you can't paint yourself as a victim, you're giving yourself a doorway to get out. Oh, leave that alone, Barnell. I'm not a victim. <laughs> well, you know, you're this or you're that. Let me tell you what I am. I am a former sinner that fell <laughs> I'm worse than a former sinner I was raised in this I was raised like you I know better son and I still chose stupidly it's one thing for you and I to look at somebody that's been in sin come in and get the Holy Ghost and say that's the grace of God but it's something more when you and I who know better I've had everything given to me that can be given to me to give me the best option to be saved. And I still acted a fool. So you want to talk to me about grace? You would deserve it way more than I would. But his mercy endureth to all generations. You not want to preach with me. His mercy endureth to all generations, even those who know better and still act a fool. Christ told us with regard to prayer that the petitioner receives not what he hopes for and not what he wishes for and not even what he needs, but Christ said he rather receives whatsoever he saith. You, you didn't get that one. Jesus Christ says, with regard to our prayers, that we the petitioner, the one praying, we do not receive what we wish for. We don't receive what we hope for. We don't even receive what we need. We only receive what we speak. What's, I'm going to quote it to you. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Our experiences are tied to our expressions not to our birth positions. You, you got to get that one now. That's, that's critical. Our experience is tied to our expressions, 
not our birth positions. You may tell you why it's so important that the apostolic church know how to use their mouths. Y'all run buses around here, don't you? Vans, buses, stuff. You pick up kids, sometimes not from the best parts of town, sometimes not with the best home lives and situations. I don't care if you are a male and the words love you is hard to say. You better learn how to say it. Because sometimes the only person in the world that's ever told that baby child that comes to church, I love you, will be an apostolic. <laughs> well, you know, they don't have what our kids have. No, they don't. But they deserve what our kids deserve. Don't mess with me today. I feel the Holy Ghost in me right now. You better learn how to love the unlovable with your mouth. You better hug that child. I don't care if they don't dress right. I don't care if they smell bad. I don't care if their parents haven't taken care of their hygiene. We'll get them a toothbrush. We'll get them some toothpaste. But the one thing we're going to do is love them, both with our arms and with our mouths, because they've got to know that God is not a list of rules alone. God is a God who has love for the unlovable. Mark 11, come over here and give them, it gives them hope that I'm almost done. It gives them hope that there's an end. Just sit on the keyboard. Mark 11, 23 and 24. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, whosoever shall, whosoever shall, we can do this, you're going to get it in a minute, some of you still don't awake. For verily I say unto you, bless you Jesus, that whosoever shall, can we do it Marine Corps style? For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he shall come to pass those things he says he shall have Look around your life and see what you have and then match that up with what your mouth has been doing. And let's look at the correlation. We don't receive what we deserve. We don't receive what we want. We don't receive what we need. We receive what we We've got to start saying stuff that looses God to do what he told us he wants to do. You see, you've got to come to the place where your mouth agrees with his plan. Candidly, ignoring the historical tendency of many, if not most of us, to squander this extraordinary gift of words. 
And we do squander it consistently. Anybody here get frustrated? Don't raise your hand. Just We still cannot ignore the fact that we mere mortals bear a striking resemblance to our eternal creator. We're very similar to our God. And that resemblance is found in the power, the creative power of our mouths. You see, God did not take something and make something. <laughs> well, I'm a realist. I just believe in things that are real. Well, you don't understand much of anything about the existential world. No man has seen God at any time. That's Bible, right? God is the Spirit. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter. In other words, God doesn't have flesh and blood right now, Peter. He's the Spirit. So watch me. He's invisible. So something that is unseeable stepped out into something that did not exist. Speaking words, 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 words into nothingness. And everything that we can taste or touch or see or smell or hear is the direct result of a God you can't see standing in the middle of nothingness and speaking words that cannot be seen. And yet you want to say, I'm a realist. I'm a realist too. I really believe that what I can't see is firmly in control of what I do see. And what I do say will determine what I have of what I can see. But more than that, uh, things that do not yet exist uh, in the realm of reality, I was made in the image of my creator. And I was invested with a mouth. And he says to me, whatsoever things you say, For the invisible things, I'm in Romans, for the invisible things, ooh, go over here. For the invisible things are understood clearly by the invisible things. So what we see is nothing more than a lesson that directs us to what we cannot see. And then he says, and those of you who don't believe and understand it, you have no excuse. You're without excuse. Oh, I know I'm trying to get you to do something that's hard for apostolics. Think and worship at the same time. But you can do it. You see, I don't care what's going on in your life. What you don't do is go and give everybody in the church a rundown of how awful it is. I feel the anointing right now. I'm not preaching. I'm prophesying right now. We got taken up with our feelings in this world. 
I need to express my feelings. No, I don't. I need to talk like my God told me to talk. So I'm preaching to people this morning uh, that have been bound in things for years. And we are prisoners. And we are our own jailer. Well, Brother Vornell, I, I want to be free. He said, you can speak things that do not yet exist. Here's the key. Before the thing was created, the word was spoken. Let there be. And it was so. You see, we want to wait for the thing to be so, then we want to talk about it. And what the Creator is saying is, throw away the keys to your own cell and start saying so that He can perform, so that you can inherit, so your kids can dwell in. You come back tonight, I'll preach something, make you shout. just can't get any worse. Oh yes it can. Keep running your full mouth. Well I just don't know how it can get any worse pastor. Hang around Jack. Oh it can get worse but it can also get better. time for none of that. Romans 10 and 10, and I'm going to shut up. For with the heart, everybody say the mind, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation it's not what you believe that saves you it's what you consistently say and here's the disconnect that destroys apostolics we'll fight you over one God we believe here O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord We believe that Jesus is not Jehovah Junior, but that he is God manifest in flesh, the very face of grace, the expression of mercy from the throne of God sent to lost humanity to pay a price that we could not afford for a debt that he did not owe. 
We believe that. We believe that the name of Jesus Christ called over you in baptism washes away every stain. We believe that in the name of Jesus there is unseen, unknown power that can break every yoke, destroy every yoke, break every bond. We believe in that. We believe in the power of praise and worship. We believe in the word. But what we believe in our head is not what's coming out of our mouth. So we have to learn to connect our mouth with our belief system. And so I'm walking in these altars praying before service. And I walk to this corner told pastor before church, I can't get any direction. I got 10,000 things I want to preach. I, I can't, I need the Lord. I, I, and I'm coming this way. And about right over there where the edge of that speaker starts, God flooded my mind and said, say what people are scared to say. We're dwelling in our promise, but we've not yet possessed it. I'm talking about this building. We're having church here. We're praising God. We're dancing. We're shouting. We're using it like our own, like it's our own. We've moved in. We've made it our home, but we have not yet possessed it. Oh, pastor, be careful now. You're going to say things and you, you better be careful. No, I'm not going to be careful. I know my God can do anything. So I'm standing flat-footed and I'm telling this church, well, but we don't have the money. Yes, you do. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's quit talking about what we don't have. I remember a scripture where the Bible said, my father has the cattle of a thousand hills. And when that thought flooded my mind, I felt the witness of the Holy Ghost. And God spoke to me and said, you've got to resurrect their faith through their mouth. Some of you need to start saying, we can, we will, we are. It's a matter of time. It belongs to us. Come on, church. I'm not here just to give you a pretty little sermon. I'm here to move this church forward.
I'm still waiting on some of you. I'm waiting on some of you to get up and make up your mind. I'm going to walk in his word. I'm not going to walk in my doubt. I'm not going to walk in my fear. I'm not going to walk in the trepidation of my unbelief. I'm going to stand firm in the Word of God. I'm going to speak the things of God. I'm going to control the negativity of my flesh. I'm going to loose the power of the Spirit of God in me with my mouth. Some of you need to actually say the words, God, you're going to use me to buy this facility. Sing. Sing. That's not. 